Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 62 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, I speak with Erin Wiest, the founder of Shrub Sparkling Tonics. This is a fantastic episode. Aaron walks us through his recovery process, how he developed Shrub, and he also talks about stress management and what it was like with his wife and his relationship after he got out of treatment. This is a great, very heartfelt episode. So let's get into it. As my grandma always says, better out than in. This could not be more true for my recovery. My mind is always racing. I need to give my mind a break and release myself from my inner voice. Putting it all down on paper is a tool that has saved me. That is why I've created the Sober Plan of Action workbook and journal. Gain a clear perspective and peace of mind by getting those thoughts out of your head and onto paper. This is a digital download you can print out as many times as you want, and you can start immediately. No waiting for shipping to come through. No waiting for packages to come to your door. Your fears and anxieties will melt away as soon as you put pen to paper. Head to a SoberGirlsGuide.com and download today. Well, hello, Erin. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Yourself? I am fantastic, having a great week, and I'm just excited to talk to you and get to hear your story, and of course, hear about your drink line, your beverage line, Shrub, and how that came to be, but we'll get into that later. Um, I just want to jump right into it. Okay. You know, just let's do it. forget the pleasantries, let's just go right for it. <laughs> <laughs> So, Aaron, can you tell us, back us up a little bit and tell us your story of recovery, sobriety, how that kind of all came to be? 
and what that entails. Absolutely. Um, so for me, it, you know, it, it was one of those things where uh, stress management was a big piece of it. Um, mm. You know, it was it was my coping mechanism. So or even early on, I was in a job uh, newly out of college. And uh, I, actually, I'll back up one further. Um, I had this kind of momentum in life that I was super excited about. Um, I got okay. into uh, the kind of graduate school of my dreams. And, you know, things were going really well. I had done uh, an Arctic adventure and on a U.S. Coast Guard icebreaker and we were on the Discovery Channel and it was, it was phenomenal. It was unbelievable. And it was all, you know, fortunate. It was nothing I did. Of course, it was people, you know, and people um, Mm -hmm. trusting in us. And, you know, I felt like life had this trajectory of of promise and and of hope. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think what happens to a lot of people is, um, when we get into say a school that we're really excited about and we get that piece of paper that says, you know, you have achieved the following milestone in your education. Mm -hmm. I almost had this belief that I was now entitled and, or, you know, deserving of some level of success, almost as if I didn't have to do anything further. Uh, It was a really very flawed thinking. Of course, it didn't occur to me to well past (laughs) all the issues that I experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found myself in a, in a job and in a career lo- uh, location that just really, it didn't work for me. And so I, I kind of stagnated. I went from this, you know, continual steps up the chain and feeling like life was going great. And then it just sort of fell off a cliff. And huh. my response to that, uh, was, was quite poor. Um, and it was, mm-hmm. y- you know, to, to kind of use alcohol to self-medicate a bit. But okay. that that was less the, you know, the acceleration in the part where, you know, the, the disease kind of grows and, and, and really takes over life. That didn't happen until many years later. But as I okay. reflect back on my journey, that was an early sign that, hey, you're you're using this to numb things that you should be tackling head on. Mm-hmm. And as long as I'm doing that, I'm never going to progress and get better. Mm-hmm. And so. Fast forward a little bit further, I, I was part of a project um, at work that was mind-bogglingly complex, and they had given me a ton of um, ton of trust. This was a, a new job, new career, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a lot of responsibility, a lot of people uh, on the team, and the stress just got so great that I just used alcohol to medicate that stress. Um, mm-hmm. And as we all know, this thing... It, you know, just accumulates. It doesn't stagnate, at least not for, for me, it didn't. Yeah. Um, and so using alcohol to kind of numb the stress, numb the anxiety, um, you know, numb any of the stuff that, that I wasn't enjoying in life at the time. And mm. that just sort of took over. And I made some decisions in life to move to a new new job within that company. I found a place I really wanted to be, but I had set that pattern. And that okay. pattern of using alcohol to not only you know get rid of stress, but now it became a habit. And so oh, okay. even if the stress was removed, the habit and the you know emotional dependency on that grew. Um, oh. I, you know, one, one of the more common things I, I heard um, is I, I couldn't sleep if I didn't have something to drink. Mm. And the thought of not being able to sleep was you know horrifying to me. It was some god awful. Imagine that someone can't sleep. I yeah. know millions of people 
have sleepless nights all the time. But for me, it, it was very much what I did to uh, to help myself, you know, get ready for the next day. And and that all of those things just exacerbated into a pattern that then spiraled out of control. Mm. Okay. So what happened when it spiraled out of control? What did that look like? So that, you know, that I was doing really um, dangerous behaviors. You know, I would um, get behind the wheel once in a while. Thank God nothing happened. Um, I I got away, uh, got away with it. It's maybe a bad way to say it, but I put a lot of other people in danger and myself. Mm -hmm. Again, nothing happened, but those sorts of behaviors are really problematic. Um, Yes. You know, my wife started recognizing that, that I was, you know, never really myself. Um, Mm. and it just became really transparent for a long time. I tried to hide it. And I think many of us try and hide it and feel like we're being successful. Um, but in the end, people really start to understand and and figure out what's going on. Um, and so the, the, the part in the conversations with my, my wife really came to head and said, Hey, we, we need to tackle this. We need to figure this out. Um, and I am, to this day, so profoundly sorry at what I put her through, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love her and I owed it to her and, and then to myself to really try and get better. And so I, I tried, uh, tried going to outpatient, which was a fascinating okay. experience, uh, cause I went to a, a, a local outpatient program and I went there because they didn't use the 12 steps. They didn't. Oh, preach, okay. Uh, my perception was that the 12 steps would preach to me about God and I had to have some you know, very strong religious faith, which at the time I just didn't have. Okay. Uh, and so I sought out a program that didn't use those. And, and it was one of the most bizarre experiences I've ever had. Okay. How so? The, the counselors, yeah, the, the, the counselors and, and the people trying to help had never been on my side. Uh, and, and when I say my side, I mean, oh. they've never had the disease themselves. And so they would say things to me like, you just told me yesterday you feel better when you don't drink. So why don't you just don't drink? And that to, well, <laughs> to those of us, <laughs> right, it's pretty simple, right? Yeah. Uh, and so to those folks, it, it blew my mind. Um, now, if I look back yeah. on it, that they were doing everything they could, you know, they're, they're wonderful people trying to help. Yeah. Um, but they just didn't quite appreciate it. The second bizarre thing was, mm-hmm within that program where people w- that were court mandated due to a, a DUI or something. Yeah. And they would be, you know, within the program, their license would be revoked for, you know, call it a year or s- some number of months. And they would be in there saying to everyone in the room, I just, I cannot wait until I can drink again. I'm so excited for X date because then I can start drinking again. Oh, wow. And to okay. someone, yeah. And to someone in there saying like, Hey, I'm, raising my hand saying i have a problem i would like help yeah i want to fix this yeah sitting in a room with people that are just in there because they don't think they have the problem maybe they Mm -hmm. don't but it's a court mandated i have to pass a drug test so i can get my driver's license thing as opposed to i have help i'm gonna lose my family i'm gonna lose my job i'm gonna lose i'm gonna hurt someone like they're really life-changing things i'm trying to accomplish here and yeah. sitting in a room with people that were more concerned about a court date or passing it, you know, a P test is, is bizarre to say the least. Well, yeah. Like appeasing someone else. Right. Yeah. 
right? Okay. We weren't there for them or because they had made some decision or understood that there was a problem they needed to solve. Mm. Gotcha. So how did you get along with those people? Like, how did you get through that? Uh, to be honest, I didn't. Um, mm. I would often stand up and walk out. Um, I'd go in the hallway and call my wife and say, this is what's happening in here. This is driving me crazy. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you're, you've got this, you know, this kind of demon that, that is just your brain is telling you that you need to go get something to drink, mm-hmm. you're doing everything you can. And then you get these kind of, uh, I don't love the word trigger, but the, the triggering events that kind of make you want to do it even more. And it kind of made me have a fatalistic attitude and ended mm-hmm. up just not continuing that program because it just wasn't working. Okay. And gotcha. so the, the, then the answer was um, I had had a, um, a loved one tell me that, you know, I should try going to a meeting and trying the AA program. And they knew that I wasn't particularly a religious person and didn't have a strong faith, but they said, just mm-hmm. go anyway. Um, and so I spent about six months going to meetings, doing what I could and, and ended up getting a sponsor. And, um, you know, he, he had highly recommended a specific uh, inpatient you know, treatment place out in Minnesota of all places. Um, I'm in oh, Portland, okay. Oregon. Yeah. And yeah. And he said that, you know, if you're going to go anywhere, this is the place. And I kind of laughed at Austin. Yeah. Not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> and in my head, I'm saying I can't go anywhere because then everyone's going to find out. Ah, uh, you know, I, I can't, yeah. I can't go into out or sorry, inpatient because I'll just disappear and everyone will say what's going on. And then right. everyone will know. And that shame that that is associated with it and that I was convinced mm-hmm. that once people knew they would think less of me, they would, you know, you tell yourself all kinds of horrible stories. Um, and yeah. so in the end had to admit defeat said, I, I got to go somewhere. I just can't stop this thing. And then mm-hmm. that was February of 2015. Um, went out there, spent about a month and things have been great since. Wow, that is great. Good for you. Thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I certainly don't feel like I deserve the credit. I think it's, you know, the people that stuck with me and continued to offer the support mm-hmm. uh, that couldn't couldn't have done it without them. And there's a lot of people out there that, that don't have the support network and supportive family that I do. I'm very thankful for that. Yes. Um, support is key, isn't it? Like, would you not agree? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I was in, in treatment with lots of other folks and, and mm-hmm. I had friends who, as soon as they got out, they would come home to a party, maybe a welcome home thing. And yeah, uh, there would be alcohol there. And, you know, it, it was really, really hard. Um, I didn't, my wife flew out, she picked me up and she you know, sat next to me on the plane right home because that's one of the easiest places to fall off. The program uh, right? is on the plane because yeah. it's easy. You're bored. There's nothing to do. They'll give you often as much as you want. Yeah. Um, so and the altitude kind of like messes with you. You're like, oh, because this is great. I've only had one drink. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So um, a lot of those pieces, I was very fortunate to have, and that, that I attribute a lot of the success to the others that care so much for me and support. Uh, yeah. Relative some my particular contribution or efforts. So who would you say is your support network? Who makes that up for you? So my wife, of course, 
um, is, you know, kind of number one, she made the decision to stop drinking also, which doesn't always happen. Yeah. uh, Okay. Which is one of those things that if you're a spouse of someone or, or if you're trying to support someone, I would say early on, that is absolutely amazing. It is a huge, huge help. Um, the first holidays with my, uh, my family, I, was nervous and then I would get there and my, my parents, my brother and sister-in-law, they don't drink around me either. Oh, anymore. nice. They kind of quit too. So mm-hmm. it, there was, there's a whole bunch of guilt around that too. Cause I knew I was, my presence was robbing them of something they enjoyed. Uh, but oh. at the same time that, that kind of, you know, behavioral hug, if you want to call it that yeah. um, of saying, Hey, I'm, I'm here to support you. We're, we can be a family and enjoy each other without it. Was yeah. really nice. One of the other things I did that was incredibly important uh, was I I used my my boss at work um, mm-hmm. and some select coworkers because I, I worked at a place where alcohol was very prevalent. Okay. Um, in fact, when I came I came back from treatment, there was a kegerator right next to my desk, <laughs> and <laughs> that was okay. uh, that was not ideal to say the least. Yeah. Um, and you know I I only had to mention a very short hint to my boss um and he just jumped in had it moved didn't make a big deal out of it just you know yeah got got it moved got it out of my way so i didn't have to smell stale beer all day long while i was trying to work that's nice Um, (laughs) yeah exactly um and then finding those allies you know so that every Mm -hmm. event that would have alcohol i had someone there that not only would hold me accountable but that i could Mm -hmm. go to and just say hey this is hard you know i'm yeah i'm struggling and then they can kind of either you know, leave with you or just kind of distract or whatever. So um, back to your original question, the, the, the key support network, family, 100%. Yeah. You know, my wife, um, parents, brother, sister-in-law, they're all amazing. Um, but but I would encourage anyone who's, who's going through this, and especially early in recovery, mm-hmm. to build the support network yourself. Be a little bit proactive and find those yeah. people you can trust in those environments where you know you're going to be in front of it. And in that case, for me, it was every day at work. And so finding people around and in meetings uh, or at parties or events, things like that. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. Yeah, I mean, I find that like, it's funny when people talk to me or like approach me about drinking and they're like, you know, it's like my industry is so heavy and like influenced by alcohol. Like that's all we do. Or it's like, well, my country or my state, like <laughs> uh, we're just right. known for drinking beer. We're just known for drinking. It's like that is yep. literally it is i mean at the end of the day it's to some degree it's an excuse when you yeah. right like yeah i mean it 
you can't argue that American culture isn't driven and fueled by alcohol. I mean, isn't there even a Discovery yeah. Channel show? It's a whole series. <laughs> yeah. And how alcohol has affected the U.S. history. You know, it, it, it's everywhere. You can't escape it. And, and if you're going to survive, you have to just admit that and find coping strategies for sure. Yes. I mean, the first step is just admitting it. Like, hey, right. this isn't good for me. This isn't making me feel good. Maybe something needs right. to change. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I did when I was in treatment was, um, you know, I became a student of the disease. It's kind of just, uh, I'm an engineer by mm-hmm. trade. And so I'm, I'm somewhat scientifically oriented. Um, and and just trying to become a student of how it works, what's happening in the brain. And, mm. and I learned a ton. In fact, one of the guests you had on your podcast recently was from Vancouver. Um, and she mentioned, I will not get the name right, but uh, Mate, I think, was the author of a book. Okay. Um, Gabor Mate, if yes. I'm getting it yep. remotely right. Yeah, so uh, phenomenal read uh, and crazy informative. And, it, you know, one of those things, and I'm harping back to what you said of, you know, I can't drink and, you know, I'm just different. Yeah. Understanding for me what was different and disassociating that between me the person and me the you know the chemistry yeah was very helpful because then i could i could somewhat separate say hey there are things that happened in my life there are things that the way my brain works that's just different yeah and sometimes those are different good sometimes those are different bad right and kind of having that separation between you know who i am and and what the chemistry of my brain is telling me i want to do gave me a little bit more privilege to be okay gave me a little bit of license to say you know what this sucks it's not Mm -hmm. fun but it's me in the you know the brain chemistry form but it's also not me as the person yeah if i could get my head around that then i could somewhat get around the shame a little bit more and then if people would ask why why I'm not drinking or why I can't. Mm-hmm. It's a chemistry and biology thing. It's not a personal flaw. Mm. It is a, I can't stop because once I start, my brain tells me, yeah, this is more important than food, sex, and shelter. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I, I can't even, st- I can't go there, you know? Yeah. But that's not saying I think it's more important. It's that my brain's telling me. So that, that disassociation to me was, was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and the more I read and the more I understood some of the neuroscience behind addiction, I think it, it really helped me personally. Yeah. I mean, it definitely helps create that space, right? So you don't take it so personally because it can really feel like when we're down, it can really, it's really easy to take it personally and be like, there is something wrong with me, you know, and, and really kind of buying into that. But it's, it's not like, can, just creating that space and like you said, giving yourself a little permission, giving yourself a little slack, being like, I, I'm, I'm not a bad person. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and we'll all experience and interact with folks. Uh, I have some in my greater family mm-hmm. that think it's a choice that think you okay. know, my drink drinking and all my habits and all the stupid things I did was all a choice. I chose to do, you know, to drink in excess to make yourself sick the next day. Like, right. Who chooses to do that? I don't know. But point is, you know, they think it's a choice. And so right. that's tough, you know, because 
I can interact with those folks and know that that's what they're thinking. And so, mm. you know, it, it's a, it's a little bit like politics perhaps, where there's two different philosophies, but it the is. more you, yeah, the, the more you learn and the, the more you kind of become resolute in your belief on what happened and why I should or should not be shameful in this situation, everything gets a bit simpler. Yeah. Cause we can just agree to disagree at that point. You know, they think it's a choice. I don't believe so. Right. Doesn't matter. I'm better. I'm not drinking anymore. Let's move on. You know, and I have, yeah. I have the practice of recovery that I get to do every day. Um, you may not think it's necessary, but it makes me a better person. So I want to keep doing that. Exactly. Like, I mean, if it makes you feel good, who gives a shit? <laughs> totally. You know, like, yeah, exactly. I'm not yeah. going to sit here and argue with you. Like, if this is something I need and like helps me in my day to day, who cares? And who are you to judge? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and the more they judge, the more, in my experience, I am a mirror to them. Mm. So what I used to be is something that they're fighting against and perhaps haven't decided to tackle yet. Yeah. You know, that's funny that you say that. Isn't it? There's a, I'm going to totally butcher it now, right now, but there's this saying that like, you know, whatever treat you find, um, maybe appalling or you're maybe you get a little ruffled boat in, in another person that is a mirror of something that is within you that maybe you absolutely you aren't dealing with or you maybe want to have or you know some some kind of uh, reaction but it's it's something that you that is in you that is that is within you and you just see this in another person i totally just butchered that but i think you understand what i'm trying to say or i hope you do i, I do okay i absolutely do and and i i believe it and i i see it in my own responses mm-hmm. you know being being sober and and kind of living your your best life is not best as a poor word it's better because you're always striving to become better and you never really finish right yeah um and, and I've been able to, you know, I've had the the privilege, maybe the, you know, not the best word, but the, mm-hmm. I'm lucky in, in my sobriety to to be able to sit back and be a little more self-aware and to really question, hey, why am I responding like this? Mm. Oh, yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm envious of that person. Yeah. That, you know, I don't like that particular thing and it drives me nuts because I wish I could be that or exactly. they've solved something I haven't yet. Yeah, I see it all the time in myself. And I think we all would if we just paused a little bit yes. and say, like, why, what is my beef with this particular situation, really? Yeah. And a lot of it, do you think a lot of it stems from competition? This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. 
Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G. For me, it does. Okay. Uh, I, it's hard to say for, for others, of course, but but I think I, I'm in general a fairly competitive person. And, and one of my biggest problems is, is comparing myself to others. Mm. Uh, a lot of what I self-medicated before was, you know, I, I should have should have been a, a, a VP sooner. I should have been, you know, why is that guy getting the promotion versus me? And why is she in that job? And I could totally do that job. And mm. it, it was this, this, you know, this drive and jealousy and comparison of myself to other people yeah. that was what I wanted to numb the most. Right. Yeah, because it's pretty intense. I mean, it's never ending. Right. There's always someone richer, smarter, yep. <laughs> better looking. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm really good at finding him too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, I wanna to touch back you we were talking like about practices and maybe mindsets that you do. Yeah. What is what are they and are they daily practices? Like how do you practice your recovery? When I'm doing it well. Yes. Um, it is when I do, you know, more, more daily reflections, uh, and I, you know, kind of catch myself more often. I, and I don't remember who it was that told me that, that if you want to see how you're doing in your recovery, what's what the, what is the best gauge of how well you're doing? Mm. How are you behaving behind the wheel of a car? Ah. It's really, really good. Cause if you're a little more prone to road rage, you may be in a little bit of a hurry. Yeah. It is a phenomenal gauge of how well my kind of mental state <laughs> in recovery is going. Uh, because when you're doing well, you have compassion. You're thinking about uh, things like, hey, I don't want to create any more issues. I want to catch myself doing things that harm others. They don't pile up. Mm -hmm. I, I am a believer in the 12 steps. Um, and part of that program has that sort of continuous um uh, I can't think of the word, uh, continuous evaluation of your behavior. Mm -hmm. And what did I do today that could have done better? And is there any, any amends or anything I need to do? Mm -hmm. So those, those daily questions are really important. Um, I try and reflect when I go to bed, um, try and reflect on, you know, what happened that day and how was I doing? And are there things I might need to rectify? Um, and I'm really bad at it, to be honest. But the best thing is that when I have a continuous practice of, of listing things I'm thankful for, yeah, uh, in kind of my my head. And the best practice I found is what made me most frustrated that day. Mm. Why am I thankful for that? So what what is the thing that drove me the most crazy? Like I have to force myself to think of why am I thankful that is happening, and find ah. the positive in it. I, and again, I'm, I'm saying this from a position of it works phenomenally well when I do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm not very good at doing it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow, that's a good way of, yeah. that's a good question to ask yourself. When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. 
Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. It, sometimes you have to stretch. Yeah. And, and sometimes it, you just, it, you really have to go pretty far out there to figure out why. Wow, that is a great question to ask yourself. Now, Aaron, I want to talk about what you're doing now with Shrub. Can you yes. bring us up to the present date? Absolutely. Um, two things happened to me when I was in treatment. Uh, it, it okay. Kind of really big cathartic moments. The first one was uh, an immense desire to be a better person. You know, just mm-hmm. you do a lot of self-reflection and, and evaluating kind of the pain you've caused and the, the crap you've put people through. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to really, you know, amplify my response to that, see if I could really be a better person. The second one was, is I wanted to start living. And there were a couple of things that I've always wanted to do that was just permanently on hold. Um, mm, and and okay. one of those things was be an entrepreneur and start a business. Yeah. And and so I was trying to figure out, okay, how can I combine those two things into one? Um, and yet not spend a whole ton of money because I still had, um, you know, still want to retire one day. And yeah. I also had uh, a day job. And so I didn't want to quit the day job. Um, so I want to do something that was not crazy capital intensive, but also didn't take a boatload of time, something I could try. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up, uh, realizing that every time I went somewhere at a social event, I would, you know, grab a Diet Coke or a bottle of water. And I mm-hmm. used to be a drinker that everyone knew. And this thing in my hand was a beacon of something's wrong and I can't mm-hmm. drink anymore. And it was always a, you know, an uncomfortable conversation starter, particularly as it related to being newly sober. Today, not a big deal. Okay. Pretty easy for me to handle. So we created right. a soft drink company with the intent of not only offering those of us that can't drink anymore for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, something really interesting, something sophisticated, something that's not juvenile. Um, yeah. I'll give you a quick example of that. When, you know, go to Thanksgiving, what do you have at the kids' table? It's Martinelli's sparkling apple juice. And yeah. <laughs> that is, all, you know, for me, that was in, in you know, my, my family shared that at Thanksgiving, my first sober Thanksgiving, because they loved me and they were caring and they were trying to do mm-hmm. something nice, but that just felt a little, a little too, that's what I had as a kid, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so we yeah. wanted to create something that was not only disassociated from the, the juvenile part of soft drinks, but also a bit more complex in palate, a little acidic, mm-hmm. a little more like a cocktail, but without alcohol. 
So yeah. I turned to, to drinking vinegars and created a company Ooh. and a beverage around flavored vinegar. Um, and we, in our case, used a balsamic vinegar so that we sweeten the beverage with that instead of sugar. Um, ah. so it's kind of an interesting mix of sweet and acidic and really a cocktail, a zero proof cocktail in a bottle, if you will. And cool. part of that company's mission is, even before we make money, which you know, profitability wise, is to mm-hmm. donate a, a percent of our revenue to uh, an organization here in Portland called LifeWorks Northwest. And what they do mm-hmm. is they take, you know, uh, all their resources and apply it to the very thing that I saw that I had uniquely that other people didn't. And that was a support mm-hmm. network. We talked yes. about it at the start. Yeah. You know, what what really enabled me to be so successful in my sobriety was the people that loved me, the people that, that wrapped their arms around me, the people that supported me. Mm-hmm. Way more people try and go through this alone, or they're a single parent, or they mm-hmm. just flat out don't have that great privilege that I did of a phenomenal family. Right. Uh, yeah. And so my contribution in a um, you know maybe one step removed way is to create this company that hopefully can you know, grow and create some good, good profit and revenue for LifeWorks and so that they can continue their mission and really help the people in need. Kind of a pay it forward philosophy. I love that. That is so amazing. Thank you so <laughs> much. Absolutely. I mean, I thank you, you know, thank all our supporters and people that have, that have helped me along the way, you know, they're the ones that, yeah. that were able to make it happen. So um, yeah, Absolutely. we're we're small right now. We're we're mostly available in Portland, but um, mm-hmm. if anyone wants to check us out, uh, shameless plug here. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> drinkshrub.com is the uh, is the website of the company. But Great. We'd, we'd love for you. And, and one of the other things we do is if if we can get to you, we'll we'll give free product to someone in need. So I've got a thing right now where someone is struggling mm-hmm. and knows someone that's struggling, and they could just use a really interesting thing to have in their hand that doesn't feel like this beacon of I'm struggling. We'll just come drop a product off to them for free so that they can feel more comfortable and not be, you know, not have the stigma of a diet soda or a bottle of water. Wow. That is so kind of you. That is so so nice. Yeah. It's all about, I mean, all about paying it forward, you know, and and that's again, the 12 Mm. steps I mentioned earlier that's a piece of it too. You know, you, you have to take the message and take the, everything we learned that helped us and pay it forward. And that's that I want to thank you also for mm-hmm. doing the podcast, because that's a great resource for folks, you know, just to hear many different perspectives and, and experiences yeah. and sobriety. It's, it's a phenomenal thing you're doing too. So we're, we're all in it together. It's all a big, big fellowship, you know, where we're yeah. standing up a, a whole cultural um, resource that people can have to, to help them get better. Absolutely. Oh, I just, I love that. I love just that whole idea. Like you said, we're all in this together, you know, and just by sharing your story and your experience, who knows who needs to hear it? You know, that's right. That's the whole point of like creating this space for people to talk about it and not only talk about it, but tell like people, how they got through it. You know, I think it's really important to know that like, you know, how great you are doing now and what you're interested in now and, and, and 
you know, this wouldn't have been possible maybe having not been through the little bit of hell that you went through. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's really well said. I mean, this, this is a, this is a disease and experience that, that knows no boundaries, whether it's, you know, um, wealth, you know, gender, mm-hmm. origin, you know, it, any of those things, it, it just spans all of it. We all can struggle with it. And the more of us that share our story, there are more examples of, you know, different people with different issues. I, I by far not had it the worst. You know, I met some folks that had to deal with some really tough stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but them sharing what they went through with others around them is a phenomenal thing. It it really helps everyone. Mm-hmm. And I love how you're making efforts to build and expand community because that is so, so important. I feel like this is like the theme for my month for some reason <laughs> is just like yeah. the word community and and growing that is just very, very important because I don't know about you, but there is a fine line between um, being independent and isolation. And so sometimes, you know, I need to check myself as well. But man, things are so much better when you have people to trust and share your life with. Right. Absolutely. It's like all of a sudden it becomes three-dimensional. Absolutely. I have a question for you about your relationship with your wife. Sure. How was it to build your relationship after you, you know, you came home from treatment, you know, you're, you're sober now. How was it to, I guess maybe build trust would be the word or like how, what was, how was your relationship after? That's a really good question. Um, Several things come to mind. Uh, the first one is I, I got a piece of advice once. Um, and, and that was, you know, when, when we're in the midst of, you know, our, our drinking and our poor behavior and treating people poorly, we apologize a lot. At least mm-hmm. I did. And the piece of advice that I got is once, once you get out and once you start, you know, trying to rebuild everything that you've kind of broken down is to not apologize. You know, because mm. those words are so familiar and so meaningless. That turned out to be really bad advice in my case. Oh. Um, the the interesting piece was um, I had kind of had this core tenet of I'm just going to show through behavior. Okay. You know, through being there, through, you know, ridiculous amounts of transparency. You know, e- even I, I think we'd all be surprised on how um, how many times we either omit or, you know, don't share everything because we're worried it's going to hurt feelings of someone. Mm-hmm. I had to practice radical transparency to show, hey, this there are no secrets anymore because I was trying to keep my drinking a secret and I had lied about it for so much, for, mm-hmm. for so long, excuse me. Um, and so I thought that would be the way to repair it is to mm. do behavior. Um, okay. And there were a couple of times where, you know, we had some really tough conversations and it came out quite a bit later that I had never apologized to her. I had never said, I am so profoundly sorry at what I put you through. I felt it. I tried to show it through behavior, but but she needed to hear it. 
Yeah. And so it turned out that that and, and I had had multiple occasions where I wanted to say it. I was like, no, I was advised that this would not come across the right way. So temper that. Mm. And that was wrong. And so I guess my advice and thought would be do what's in your heart, you know, and what's right for you, what, mm-hmm. what works for everyone. You know, it's funny to give advice, not to listen to advice. circular paradox i'm creating um but you know in in general i think that that was part of it so um to answer your original question i think you know behavior transparency but admission you know Mm. coming at it and saying hey i'm really sorry when you're drinking Mm -hmm. is a very different thing than coming and saying i've just been through 30 days of thinking about this issue and of trying to solve it. And now that I'm much better grounded, I now see what I did. Yeah. And I now have a better appreciation for what I put you through. And by the way, I don't even know what you went through. So maybe we should talk about that. Yeah. You know, because when you're, when you're drunk, you don't remember it or you don't care or you're not paying attention. And so mm. I don't, I didn't even know what I should have been sorry for. It's so uh. a conversation and just that you know, that awareness building and just like mm-hmm. getting to know, you know, someone who's been through a dramatically different experience. You can't know what they went through unless you talk about it, unless you really yeah. have that discussion. And so, yeah, you know, it, that's an ongoing process that's very hard, mm-hmm. um, but it gets easier as time goes on. Certainly. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can only imagine I definitely relate to like, I don't even know what I'm sorry for at this point. Like I'm just kind of using it as a blanket statement. Let's just slap a sorry on there. (laughs) (laughs) And just, just peanut buttering an apology is not the way to do it. You know, really understanding the the specific emotions caused and, and the hurt and trying to apply that in a, constructive way to an apology as opposed to just uh, yeah i'm sure you went through some stuff sorry <laughs> really different you know and i'm and i'm yeah. in hindsight i'm sure the person who told me not to apologize is probably more on that side like don't come in to say whoops sorry right 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 right. You know, so p- perhaps i misinterpreted the advice could be gotcha so aaron where can people find you where can i find i you? am yeah, so I am shrub is mostly available um in the Portland area. Okay. Um, there's a couple markets here that are that are absolutely awesome. Um new seasons and market choice. They love local vendors. They really give us little guys a shot. Nice. But really the best way is um drinkshrub.com. Okay. So yeah. Uh if you go there we'll we have a map there. Uh we're on Instagram at drinkshrub and then Twitter, same handle. Nice. So we we're we're on there and by we I kinda mean me, but I do have a couple partners that are helping out. Too, so um Great. We, the, the royal we as it relates to the company. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your knowledge. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you again for what you do, um, and giving us all a chance to to share and to help pay it forward. I think it's a great resource. How amazing is Aaron? Like he said, we are all in this together. We all have each other's back. Thank you guys so much for listening. Couldn't do this without your love and support. Please make sure to rate, 
follow, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us your feedback. We love hearing your comments and suggestions. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Sober Girl's Guide. And don't forget about the blog. Oh, the blog. A SoberGirlsGuide.com has everything. It is your one-stop shop. We have tips, tricks, how-tos, and also we have tools. Oh yes, a whole new section of tools just for you. Head over to a SoberGirlsGuide.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great day.